Hello, everyone. Welcome to Catfish Weekly, episode 45. Tonight, we're going to be talking seasonal transitions, the fishing during these transition periods uh, between the seasons, basically. Um, so, like, what I'm talking about, basically, is when we get out and you start, it's not quite, you know, you're not getting the summer weather anymore, you're not getting the fall weather, it's, you know, you're getting that in between. It's it's sort of the transition, I guess, in between a fall and a winter, or in between a summer and a fall, um, where where the the temperatures, the weather, all that stuff isn't quite acting on a on a typical um, season. It, it's it's basically changing, and it, it can make it very difficult to to fish. I mean, if if you're if you go out and you do one thing, you, you really have to know what what's going on with the weather what's going on with the water temp and um you know the bait you really you know it's it's one of those things that can be a difficult time of year to be fishing especially if you're doing any tournaments or anything but i mean even if you just want to go out and catch fish it can be a great time of year um it can be one of the best times of the year to fish uh, but you really have to figure out what exactly is happening on your water um so i'm gonna let chuck get us started on this and tell me Tell me what you do, Chuck, on on this this type of uh, transitional type fishing. Uh, well, I do. I have to go around and um, you know mark mark some spots and uh, you know see if they've started uh, you know going to the deeper holes and stuff, or if they're still you know pretty much scattered out. Um, you know, I'll I'll go across drop offs and stuff, see if they're uh, you know, usually you'll see one or two fish right off of, you know, a, um, if you go over a hump, something like that. Uh, if, if you start seeing more and more stacked up, you know that, you know, the winter pattern is getting in. Um, I pretty much just go by the, you know, the water temperature uh, before I start anchoring in the, you know, precision anchoring on those spots. Um, th this weekend... Uh, we went out, and I wasn't expecting the water temperature to be as low as it was. It was down around 55 degrees. But, um, you know, they they wasn't really in, you know, the type of winter pattern that I thought they were going to be in. Uh, I've never fished this lake before, but the type of structure that I was fishing was no different than the structure I fish on any other lake this time of year. Um, I think that the water temperature just dropped so fast that... Um, you know that they still hadn't had time to get into their uh, winter patterns yet. So um, you know we just did our normal drifting, um, and you know they were still wanting to drift. We tried a little bit of um, precision, uh, you know, spot locking, um, and a little bit of anchoring. Um, but did, didn't do any good at all. Uh, every time we Every time we drifted, they seemed to have wanted that, and they were hitting on the drift. So, um, so I think right now it's you know right in between where it could be hit and miss either way. Yeah, I was going to say that that right now, uh, myself personally, it's always been that 50 to 55 degree water area where I uh, make the transition from drifting into anchoring. Um, but like you know, I mean that's you know this tonight's subject and topic and everything that. That's where we're right in that transition area. I mean, it can be where 
you know, there's some people, I guess, they might drift, you know, up until the water gets hits 40 degrees or something like that, you know. I don't know. Myself, personally, I'm in that 50 to 55 degrees, um, and, and, and it also depends on the other weather. If I don't feel like trying to fight wind or something like that, you know, I might just go ahead and anchor up and, and try to anchor up on spots that I think look good. But, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely... Would you say you normally do the same thing, 50 to 55 degrees? You start looking to, to either drift or anchor one or the other in that range? Yeah, that's why it was so confusing this weekend. Um, you know, when the, from from looking around, I could kind of tell that, you know, anchoring or spot locking over certain areas wasn't going to get it yet, but the structure I was seeing, I really couldn't tell if it was holding fish or they were holding tight. So, um, you know, I did a little bit of uh, anchoring on it a little bit, and I wasn't getting any bites and, um, you know, started back drifting, and, you know, it was on. They were they were still, seemed like they were still roaming around uh, up under bait fish mostly. Every time we would get, you know, find a big school of bait fish and we would drift through them, uh, that's usually when we would start getting hits is uh, when we were going through schools of bait fish. They were up under them feeding. Okay, Lyle, what what do you what do you think about this time of year? What do you do? When do you start drifting or start anchoring or? Well, I'm done drifting for the year unless we go south or something. The water temperature's cold. It's it's below 40 degrees. Uh, the last time I was out, you know, now it it'll vary. Some days it'll warm up. Some days it won't. But uh, uh, the fish now in my area are either in wintering patterns or they're heading to them. And, uh, I'm looking for uh, deep holes where they traditionally stay every year and uh, uh, we'll, we'll anchor up on those and fish the drop-offs going into the holes, the top sides of them because they'll still come up out of them, especially on a sunny day when it warms up real nice, you know, and uh, if there's a bunch of bait fish around the top, they'll they'll be up. They'll come up there after them. But we'll put we'll put a lot of bait right in the bottom of the holes. And uh, you know, I, I know I hear these guys talking 70, 80 feet, and I know they're catching fish that deep. I just can't. You know, 45, 50 foot, uh, occasionally 60 is about the limit for me. I I, I see no reason to fish uh, them other holes. They don't hold as many fish uh, where I fish anyway. And uh, you know I'll go to where there's there's a, a bunch of them laying in there instead of three or four uh, in the winter time. Now in the summertime or spring even I won't. But once the once the water temperature gets around 50 degrees or something, uh, they start heading to them places pretty quick uh, around here. So that you know that's what I'm looking for, and and uh, I'm I'm going to be using uh, frozen skipjack or fresh shad if I can find it. I you know. Uh, in the winter time, they're not. Didn't seem to me that the blues are quite as picky as they are in the summer and the spring. So, uh, uh, but now, with that being said, if I catch a sunny day where where it's you know if it's been 25, 30, 35 degrees out, and that sun pops out and it's really bright and and uh, it's going to be 60 degrees or something for a few days, I'll go up on them sand flats by a sandbar or around a dike or something. And uh, then a lot of times some fish will come up out of there for a couple of days, and, and, and you can get into some of them. Now, they're not always big fish, 
but uh, a lot of times numbers is is as much fun as is catching the big one. Yeah. So what what temperature do you actually? I mean, is there a range that you're real close to where you're like, okay, the water temp I'm reading is about 52. Um, I'm probably going to anchor up today, or you know, it's still above 50. I'm drifting. What 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 do you do you drift at all? I mean, do you what is your yeah, for water temperature, I'll, I'll be drifting if it's 50 or above. When it gets below 50, uh, I might try it a day or two on a bright, sunny day, but for the most part, I'm going to be anchored below 50 degrees. Okay, now now this question, I guess, will be for both of you. Now, now seeing as how we're talking um, this transitional season fishing, okay, like, I don't know. I'm guessing that you know you guys might have had similar seasons to what we have as as the weather mostly moves. But um, basically, the 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 fall or summer, I guess, transition sort of wasn't there this year like it normally is. It it really got cold fast. So do you, does that affect your um, length that you'll go in? Like say normally. If you would only go, you know, drift up to 50 degrees, and this since this weather, this cold weather came in faster, uh, do you think them fish are still going to be feeding longer into the colder water? So you'll still drift longer because of that, or will you, as soon as that that water temp drops, you'll you'll start doing a different method? Well, personally, I think that when it dropped as fast as it did this year, was we've been we've had a lot of temperature in the teens. And when it dropped as fast as it did, that that you know, I think it shoved them towards them winter holes pretty quick. So, um, even attempt to try to drift myself. Uh, I know a lot of guys. Uh, uh, I know that they was trying it there for a while, but I I don't think that anybody is is doing any drifting around here right now. Uh, I just not not that I'm aware of anyhow. If they are there. They haven't said anything about it, but I just uh, uh, the the temperature dropped off really quick. Them fish got a little sluggish, and they started heading to them holes. And uh, I'm pretty sure most of them stayed there, or at least around them. You know. What do you think, Chuck? Um, well, what I'm what I'm trying, uh, I did a little bit last year. Uh, I'll kind of um, instead of sitting in one spot. And anchoring on them, um, I kind of uh, do do a drift and a spot lock, and then uh, you know, then I'll just drift down a little bit more, spot lock some more. Um, and that way, I, I'm sitting in one spot, I'm covering more ground, but you know, in between my spot locks, you know, I'm actually drifting to the next spot, um, you know, and actually, uh, what you know, what, when I when I'm drifting, I kind of zigzag to make my scent trail wider, um, you know. And I kind I'm looking for structure as I go. And when I find structure, I'll just spot lock over it and sit there for a while, and then I'll drift down a little further, but very slow. I don't get over point two, point uh, three max. It has to uh, be really slow. Yeah, and I, you know, that's just, um, you know, so I won't have to pull anchor. Um, you know, and move down, you know, 50 yards set up again. I'll just drift down a little bit and, and not really to catch fish, just to, uh, you know, to get to, you know, to get on down current a little bit more and, you know, to see if they're, 
you know, to try to put it in their face. If they're not hungry and, you know, even though your scent's getting down there to them, um, you know, I try to cover a little bit more ground and, and try to get down there and put it in their face. Even if if I'm getting in a deeper water, you know, I'll just let my let my rigs down, hit bottom, crank it up a few cranks, drift down more, you know, and kind of go, go down the ledges um, and go uh, – you know, a little bit deeper in the holes and stuff. Could just cover more ground is what I try to do. When Robert Tallman asked, what about walking the baits? And to me, uh, that is something that we do do in the wintertime. When we're, when we're uh, anchored up above a, uh, a wintering hole, we'll start out in the top of the hole. And we'll put some, you know, down way down in the hole. But we'll walk them down that ledge going into that hole. And that's a very effective thing to do, uh, especially if it's a bright, sunshiny day and the sun's out and it's went from uh, 20s or 30 degree temperature up in the 60s for a day or two. If you walk them down there, a lot of time they'll be coming up out of that hole and you can catch them on their way up. See, the problem I've been having with where I fish at, you know, I, the only place where I've seen it even possible to walk a bait on the Ohio River is right on the dam. I mean, there's just not enough current to walk the bait uh, in my area. Yeah. Um, I've I've really been curious. You know, I've watched some guys do it, um, but it's I just don't have the water to really get out on, unless I get to the dam and and they're open the dam because even when they I hit the dam, there's a lot of times that the dams aren't open and there still ain't enough current. I mean, I've put one ounce on and still not been able to walk a bait. Um, you know, going back to the my question though, on my thought, you know, I, I kind of disagree with you a little bit, Lyle. I, I mean, I don't know that I'm right or you're right or not. I kind of think that just my common sense thinking, I guess, but common sense doesn't always work in every application, you know. And, and common sense can be different for other people, but my common sense thinking would be that if the seasonal weather, the the if it comes faster, like the way it did, this cold water comes faster. I feel like them fish have to almost like I guess feed up enough to to go into that more dormant state on the on the on the um, colder water. So I feel like that even though that water temperature might be below when they've normally started that winter, winter pattering, they wouldn't actually be doing it yet. They'd still be feeding up to be able to be dormant or more dormant I guess you know while they're they're just sitting down there um, retaining their energy and everything so I think that that's going to push them I, and, and plus I think the water changes a, a little bit all the time and so it takes it probably you know a, a good solid week for them to realize okay it's actually changing for good right now. You know, I mean, it's not just a, a cold front that's moved through that's dropped the temperature a little bit. You know, it's it's actually here. You know, this is our time. We got to start. You know, we got to start doing this. So, um, have you ever seen one of the thermometers that you put on a fishing rod and you cast out and it tells you what the the uh, uh, temperature is uh, underneath the surface? No, I've never I've never done that or seen it. Okay, well it, well here's something that that to try sometime in the summertime, the water is always colder underneath than it is on the surface, and that surface temperature is what we go by with our uh, depth finders and sonar units and different things. So 
uh, in the wintertime, it, it's the same way to an extent, but once it gets down so far, then it kind of levels off. And, and I've, I've done this a few times, and uh, you get down to a certain area, and the water actually is considerably warmer than it is up on the top or near the top. So when the water is that warm, they're finding the ideal spot that is their comfort range, basically, is the way I look at it. And that's that's the what I'm looking for. And I don't have an answer to what the temperature is that they're looking for because I don't really know. But I know when you find fish uh, on the Mississippi or Missouri River and and they're in the wintertime and they're holding at 30 or 40 feet, even at 25, just depends on where you find them and what it is. When you find fish again in another area, they'll be virtually in that uh, within a few feet of the same depth. So it tells me that they're more uh, uh, temperature-oriented than a man might think. Yeah, but when that when that season, you know, when that water really starts to change up top, I guess how how much does it change below, or how does it start pushing that that comfort zone small? to where you know it might only be two foot wide where they're getting that you know 45 degree water rather than 32 degree water up up above it and you know I think it's more of a 10 foot range that they're they're actually at most of the time but uh, the, the the problem is uh, this year we went from having 60 degree water and within two weeks we was down below 40 and uh, that is a very rapid change, and, and uh, well, it is for me. It may not be for them fish, but for this old guy, it's just pretty, pretty rapid change. But uh, you know, uh, I have, and I told Chuck, and I think he was on there the other day when I was telling these people about um, live bait that I've had alive in my live well for several months, and. Um, I have been intrigued about putting things in there and watching uh, how they relate to structure in this live well. Now, and I'm talking about bluegill that I had a month or so before we went to Monsters on Ohio. We have suckers and goldfish that Cindy bought to show our grandson because they were so big uh, down at Bassinmore, and they're still alive and they're swimming around. Now, since this water's went got so cold um, when it dropped off and we was down in the single digits for a few days I forgot about them fish and they the, the water in the live well started to freeze so I went out and put a uh, heat lamp inside there and shut the lid down and they didn't freeze you know the, there was enough water in the bottom of it I don't have very much water in it but there was enough water in the bottom of it that uh, they didn't freeze and I st when the ice melted where there was a hole in it, I started watching them to how they related to the heat of the heat lamp. And, and this is basically what we're talking about. It's a different situation, but uh, basically the same thing. And they wouldn't be underneath the ice all the way up in one corner, but they wouldn't be directly underneath that heat lamp. They would be in a, a spot halfway between them, and the only time they would leave their area is if you went in there and banged on the tank or you, you give them something to eat or something like that. So that's why I'm saying that, that they go by a, a, a comfort zone and, and that's where they're living. And I, I don't know what that temperature is, but uh, the only other thing that I think 
changes the what the depth of what they do more than anything else, and I think it probably is is more true than temperature would be barometric pressure. <clears throat> you know, when when the barometric pressure is rising or lowering, I think that affects the underneath that water a great deal more than, than a lot of people realize. Okay. Yeah, so we, some of the questions we have on the chat are uh, Jason Malone says he'd like to know how fast the temp changes below 25 foot. Um, that's something I don't have an answer for. I don't know if either of you guys do. I do not. I definitely think I think it's going to be a slower change. I definitely think it changes, but I just I'd almost think that I mean it's not it's not going to be a, like a geothermal type of thing where it's going to stay consistent because it's got it doesn't have earth or anything to keep it you know at a steady temperature. It's just got water that's cooled off on top of it. It's got water on the bottom that's that's warmer, but that that it's not going to hold that heat that I could think of. It's going to eventually get cooler. Yes, yeah, I agree with that. Um, Craig Shoemate says, "What's everyone's opinion on barometric levels in the bite?" Um, I've always noticed it seems like if the barometric pressure is is up or going up, right, that's when the fishing is better. You guys, yeah, I'd agree with that, and and and. and uh, not, you know, I think that when it goes up, the fishing probably increases, their bite increases, but uh, if it's changing a lot of times, yeah. uh, at, at, at a slow, at a slow rate, when, when again, when you have a drastic change in pressure, it's like a drastic change in temperature, uh, it, I think it kind of shuts them down. If it's a slow rise, even a, 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 a slow fall uh, is not so bad, but if it's a real drastic drop in barometric pressure, I mean, I really struggle to put fish in a boat for whatever reason. And I know Chuck monitors that stuff. Yep. What do you think? On the barometric pressure? Yep. Um, I really, you know, when it gets real high and it, and it, uh, sta and it gets stable, you know, it steadies it out at a high um, you know, it can. That's usually the the beautiful bluebird sky days, um, and those aren't really my favorite days to fish because I really don't get that good of a bite. Anytime the pressure's uh, rising or falling, uh, I usually get a pretty good bite. But um, you know, right, usually right before a a, a front comes through, um, you know, it it'll drop. Um, and and then rise right back up after the front passes, you know that's that's usually the best time to bite uh, for me. But I I really don't in the winter time, um, you know the the pressure don't really don't affect as, as the to me. Winter time you have a thermocline and the, the you know the fish don't like going below the thermocline because there's not as much oxygen and all that stuff. So they try to stay right around the thermocline so they can thrive. <laughs> they don't like going too far toward the surface because the sun's got the the water up top so hot. You know, but in the winter time, um, you know, after the I call it the water turns over, which uh, the thermocline don't exist anymore. Um, you know, they they can pretty much thrive in the whole water column, and that's usually when they like going deeper. 
um, you know, because it, the whole water column is about the same during the winter. Uh, by the way, a thermocline is just so people know. A thermocline is mostly going to be on your on your lakes, not your your free flowing rivers. Right. Um. So when the uh, thermocline goes away, usually around the what the water temperature is now down here, uh, you know, fifty five or sixty. Uh, that that's when I actually you know I can't find a thermocline anymore. Uh, when I, when I turn my sensitivity way up on my 2D, um, after it gets around that temperature, I, I, you know I can't locate it anymore, and that's when I start seeing the the, the fish are dispersed more, you know, at different depths uh, throughout the whole water column from the top to the bottom. Um, you know, so during the winter time, I I've caught them up, you know, uh, 10 foot of water on warmer days when they try to get up into the sun. Um, I hardly on on beautiful blue bird sky days. I hardly even fish out in the deep water anymore. Um, and then, you know, the I don't even hardly worry about the pressure too much during the winter time anymore. Just you know, pretty much when the when the uh, water temperature is above fifty, um, you know, there. When you find the fish in the winter, you you're just gonna have to you know uh, cast on them and uh, wait for them to bite. So um, I've had days where I've went out and fished the same spot three days in a row. Two days haven't caught anything. The same fish were there. The third day they just you know decide to feed and feed, and it all had to do with that pressure. But I fished up in ten foot of water, four foot of water, and everything else. Uh, and I couldn't get them to feed either, so I just, uh, you know, precision anchor on the, <laughs> in the fish, and if, you know, I just fish during those times, and, you know, when they decide to feed, they feed. Okay. Well, we're about halfway through the show a little bit here. I'm going to, I want to go ahead and go through uh, the list of names of people who are, are uh, in for the Gone Fishing Adventures um, giveaway, so I think we've got one more week after this week, and then on the December 1st uh, for that show, we're going to be giving away that giveaway. Uh, so I definitely want to make sure everybody that is watching the show and everything, they they know if they're in, in for that contest or don't know for, if they're in for that contest. So here's my list of names right now that I have uh, that, are, that are into this contest. Uh, Leon Higdon, Mike Kafer, Heath Malone, Seth McAllister, Dennis Mayo, John Harden, Janet Fox. Teresa and Dave, Kevin Owens, Chad Wall, Steve Einbody, Vince Nadoski, Nick Goodall, Major Brown, Jason Malone, Ricky Allen, Larry King Jr., Cheryl Lynn Butler, Matthew Ryan Evans, Bill Wright, Joshua DeBoard, Jason Fish, Chris Workman, Michael Johnson, Stop LLC, Christopher Parker, Kimberly Vance, Ron Streeter, Ray Stitcher, Shannon Strokerch, Jason Huggins, Rob Gregg, Philip Rocky, and Cad Daly. That's who I have right now that are in for the uh, Gone Fishing Adventures uh, guided trip with Gary Turner. Um, so if you're not on that list and you want to be, um, you just need to go over on Facebook to type in Gone Fishing Adventures up in the um, in the search box and pull up his page. You like his page. Uh, scroll down a little bit. Look for um, the picture with him holding a big old blue cat, and it should say Catfish Weekly on it or some some other stuff. But 
you'll see there's there's a bunch of replies. You just need to like that picture, like his page, and then post a reply on that picture. And just in that comment, in your reply, just mention Catfish Weekly. Um, and that's all you got to do to be entered. If you do that, I'll check it. I'll monitor it. I'll write your name down. Um, and if you're a super fan member, you get double entries if you for, for a year. Uh, so not just for this contest, you know, for all future contests for a year, um, you'll get double entries, plus you'll get other uh, discounts on Whiskerware Apparel, discount on, on uh, Black Horse Custom Rods, uh, access to the Superfan Group Facebook page for um, the Superfans where we give you some insider information and just recently gave them a little uh, bit of premium content insider information. Um, there's lots of lots of things and it's only ten bucks. That's all it is. It just helps us pay server server fees, things like that. Help you know giveaways, anything that we're doing. Um, it's just helping us do that. Uh, we also have on to, on that same December first, we're going to announce uh, um, our big surprise that we've been holding back on you guys, and it's been tough. I mean, we are we are eager to let you guys know, but we just can't do it yet. So. Uh, make sure that you're, you guys are all watching that episode. It's going to be a good one, I think. And uh, Again, uh, go over to the, the Gone Fishing Adventures thing. Get signed up for that. Even if you don't want to go on the, um, the guided trip, you know, go over to his page. Gary Turner is a great guy. Um, like his page. You know, Share it. Just let people know about it because whoever he takes out, I guarantee they're going to have a great time. And if it's one of your friends or something, they'll probably thank you for recommending it recommending him to take them out so um, definitely uh, get over there and do that for him and if we recommend somebody a, a product a person anything like that it's because we absolutely uh, are 100 percent for that person or product or something I mean, we're not just going to go because somebody gives us something for free and say hey this is the greatest thing in the world we're not like that you know I mean we're all about you know being sincere um, somebody gives us a bad product I mean that's that's what I'm going to tell you. Is I, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like it. I felt the quality was low. If it's great, I'm going to say, hey, this is this is great stuff right here. You know, I'd buy it again in a heartbeat. Um, every one of the guys on here is, is exactly like that. We're, we're not the kind of guys just just to do stuff just to be doing it. Well, there's something else. These, these people, uh, uh, a lot of these people that have entered that have wives, husbands, boyfriends, girlfriends. If they're sincere about wanting to go down and fish with Gary, uh, get your wife or your girlfriend or your husband or boyfriend. Have them sign up for this. You know, it gives you another shot at it. There's no sense in, if you really want to go with Gary. And believe me, I'd like to be in on this myself. I'd love to go fish with Gary. Uh, that that just gives you another shot at going. You know, it it, it it'll be a good time. Gary will put you on some fish. You guys will have a blast. Yep. And I guess the first is next week's show. So. I was thinking there might have been another week, but I guess there's not. So that's next week. Um, I, I, I will go ahead and say that right now we do plan on, you know, like we talked about on on our news show that we had, the What's Up show. Um, we do have in the works to have some people on. We're hoping to, we're, hope we're going to have uh, America's uh, catfishing couple on there, the catfishing duo. Um, hopefully we're going to have them on. Um, we're like looking at Chris. What's that? Looks like uh, eighth for them guys. If everything goes the way we're planning on, yeah, we might have uh, Mark Cooper on hopefully in December. Uh, we're gonna try to get that done as well with the uh, collegiate catfishing. 
Uh, he's the, the, the founder of that. Um, you know, we have some other things planned too, so definitely uh, look forward to the, some of the, the, the shows that we got planned for you guys. Um, also, we lots of people coming up that, that we're going to have a guy on also. What's that? We have a big uh, a big sponsor announcement, and that guy will be on the show. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. 14th. Yeah, the, uh, the, um, the Catfish Weekly uh, actual website, not Facebook, but the actual web website, catfishweekly.com. Um, we've got lots of new advertisers. We've got more that are planning to come on and be on here. So basically, if you guys, if you have a business or something that you want to get on there and and have it be you know, <coughs> where it's seen and and easily, you know, the higher the bet, you know, the first people that come get the the top parts, and as as we go, they'll move down the page. And and uh, so if you want to get a good position on the page, you know, we like I said, we got more people that are supposed to be coming up and coming on. Um, you know, somebody ends up dropping off of there. You know, the other people move up. Uh, that's how it's going to work. Uh, thirty dollars for three three months, fifty dollars for six months, um, for those three hundred by three hundred size ads on each side of the page. Um, you know, we got plenty of those. I can basically move those all all the way down that page, and and they'll be there. So, uh, look into that. Like I said, uh, the the super fan thing. You can get a hold of me on Facebook. You can go to the Catfish Weekly forums. Um, Look up at the news section. I'll tell you what you need to do to get set up for that as well. Or, like I said, or you can just message me on Facebook, uh, and I can get you set up with that as well. Um, uh, for the member spotlights, I have a few. I have a few more names that uh, I want to thank for posting on on the Catfish Weekly Facebook page. Uh, Lindsey Bigham, Charles Gining, Mike Chanley, Anthony Jacoby, and John Harden. Uh, thanks to you guys for posting on the uh, Catfish Weekly page. We appreciate it. Uh, keep doing it. You know, keep posting up there. If it's questions, comments, pictures of your big fish, videos, um, all that stuff's great stuff. Uh, so we appreciate it very much. I know uh, Lindsey Bigham asked uh, by posting on there. He really wanted to. He liked the episode that we talked about the catfishing boats. Um, he, he he made a good suggestion. I think we're probably going to try to do something along those lines next year at Monsters on the Ohio. Uh, he wanted us to basically enter captains or, or at least some of the boat, you know, the main boat guys out there, um, ask them about what they've done with their boats, what modifications they've made, I guess, what they'd like to have that they don't. Um, that kind of, you know, showing the actual guy in his boat with a video uh, that's kind of it is valuable information for the boat manufacturers to look at and to help them to design uh, a great catfishing boat. Uh, so if we can do that, I, I think it I think it'd be a good thing. I think we're gonna try that. What do you guys think? Well, I planned on having it done long before then. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna do so you're gonna do it at some of the tournaments or something this year and. Well, I. I don't think there's anybody that, besides Brent, that's probably any more excited about seeing um, this boat when he gets done with it. And of course, once it's it's done in production and he gets it home, he has to put all this stuff on it and and, and do all these things. Uh, you know, I'm hoping to get uh, uh, make a trip over to his house and take a video camera and and uh, videotape the whole deal and kind of let him go through it. And, and you know. Uh, 
there's some other guys in the St. Louis area, Jason Jackson, Ryan Casey, uh, maybe Joe and uh, Lucky and Jerry Klein. Some of these other boys got some really nice boats and and uh, meet up with them guys and then and and, uh, and and just go through them and and uh, you wouldn't be able to put it all together in one uh, video show, but. Uh, you know, you can split this up and, and uh, put it on our page and people go back to it later and later and later and watch it from now on, you know, and if they forget something, they can go back to it and, and, and see what they like and what they didn't like about everybody's boat. Uh, Vince Nadoski asked if Catfish Weekly is going to broadcast from Winter Blues on Wheeler. I don't think we're going to broadcast. I think we might. If, if we all end up there, you know, even if we don't, you know, we might get some footage and put some a little bit of something together, you know, a small video clip or something, but I don't think we're going to do what we did like uh, Monsters on the Ohio, at least not this year. Do you guys agree? Or? Well, I haven't, I haven't got to that yet, and a lot of that's going to have to do with winter, with temperature, and, and I've not ever been there, so I don't know what's available to us to use and, uh, you know, stuff like that, but uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll look at it and, and make a decision. Yeah, like I said, I'm going to try to be there. I don't know. I can't, you know, confirm anything right now. I'm going to do what I can. That's, that's a long ways away. Hey, you like my shirt? Pretty nice, huh? Pretty smooth. I think what would look better is a, like a G-string. Uh, <laughs> you don't mean it. <laughs> like, like a big old, like a yeah, two-piece bikini. Uh, you'd have to have suspenders for me, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> but that is funny. I remember somebody talking about that with the shoe being on the other foot not too long ago. <laughs> I might have to wear that blonde that blonde wig and. <laughs> yeah, uh, that'll all fall into place uh, where you'll understand it here one of these days when everything gets settled for our next couple of weeks. Here, we'll tell you all about it. We've already been through some of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, back to our our show topic. Um, I guess Chuck, I'll go to you. What what do you, <laughs> Rob? <laughs> what what do you, Chuck? Like as far as this transition of season fishing, do you start do you start going? And, you know, I guess at a certain time of year when you start not looking like in tributaries and things off of rivers uh, or not being right up on the bank, will you start actually moving out further into the water column in a little bit deeper water? Or will you still stay uh, starting out, you know, how I tell people a lot of times, I tell them, you know, start at the bank and I guess work your way into deeper water, see if you can find an area where fish are biting. Will you still do that or will you start your start your uh, fishing in, on, a, on a deeper you know, a little further out from the bank at first. Well, the transitional period between uh, spring and summer, well, really between winter and spring, um, you know, I, I'll start fishing, um, you know, the, when they start, you know, scattering out and fading and, uh, you know, starting to, I guess, make a, a migration type run up rivers and up tributaries. Yes, I start fishing more, uh, you know, tributary openings, um, you know, and I start fishing, uh, you know, closer, um, you know, to the dams, um, the you know, the downside of the dams. 
uh, you know, all that in the springtime up until about spawn. Um, you know, and, and from the, the fall to winter transition period, um, you know, I just stay, you know, mostly deep water. When I go shallow, um, <coughs> it's pretty much shallow flats, uh, pretty close to deep holes. Uh, you know, with, well, they'll come out of the deep holes on the bluebird sky days, and, um, you know, they'll get up into that magnifying water and try to catch some warmth and warm up a little bit. Um, you know, and maybe, you know, they can get up into some, uh, some good schools of shad that they can, you know, try to get into an ambush without using a lot of energy and stuff. That's the type of places I try to focus on, you know, uh, nice, nice big logs up in, uh, six, eight, four foot of water, you know, they'll, they'll get up there and lay, lay on the sunny side of those, um, you know, where they'll have, you know, they can also sun and have a good chance to feed also. Lyle, what do you think? What do you do? Uh, you know, like I, I said earlier, when when the water temperature gets down below 50, uh, very much below 50 anyway, uh, I, I'm looking for the, the holes, uh, deep holes of water. And another good spot that I like to fish uh, is um, uh, deep holes off of the tips of wing dikes. And I know... Uh, a, a lot of the rivers and stuff don't have wing dikes on them, but a wing dike is a uh, normally rock, heavy rock uh, wall that they put on the edge uh, from the bank out towards there to, to channel the water to, to keep the channels open for barge traffic. And uh, there's a scour hole behind them at, at the end of them, and uh, a lot of times we'll set up out in the channel right off of that scour hole and we'll walk baits to it or cast baits down in the hole and up on the sides of it and around it. Uh, but but I really believe that once they go down that they will come up on some bluebird days but the majority of the time they're going to stay in those those wintering spots and uh, uh, that's, that's just my opinion but it, that's the way we fish them for years and been fairly fairly successful with that. Yeah, myself personally, um, I tend to move out a little bit. Whereas in this transition time, I, I'm I'm not going to go up in the tributary. I do, I do like I, I do like to uh, like Chuck said, hit the uh, mouth. If normally if there's a hole at the mouth, like especially on rivers, um, I like to hit that that mouth hole. <laughs> I gotta quit doing that. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. All bad minds out now. The hole at the mouth of the tributary, I like to throw bait into that. I like to fish that area. Um, I definitely like to like almost the, uh, not the holes that are the deepest holes in the area, but them ones that are sort of in the middle. Um them 80, 90 foot holes, I don't, I don't do all that well, especially even in the in the wintertime, colder fishing, where and it's always been my thought that that's where they would be at, but I don't seem to do very well, and I don't, I, I'm not sure if I'm not using the right bait. I, I also know that as the as the water gets colder, from my understanding, I guess is that that's sort of a better time of year to use shad um, than like skipjack and shad and all your basic baits. They have better times of the year where 
where a certain bait will work a little better. And, sh and skipjack is a little more of a warmer water bait because of the oils and the scents in it and everything, I guess, moving down. Um, yeah, I don't know. Shad has always, I've always been told, is a little better for the colder water fishing. Uh, what do you guys think on that? I wonder if it's because sometimes it's easier to get than skipjack, especially in, in certain areas. Now, you get around in warm water plants down, down in Tennessee and, play, and Kentucky and places that, uh, that have that, but, you know, skipjack can be found uh, in our area above St. Louis in different times of the year, but when it's cold, you can forget it. You're not going to, you know, I just, I never hear anybody get them. I don't get them. But you can usually find a shad once in a while, and I don't know if that's why uh, the shad works better or not. But, I, you know, I've caught uh, fish in, in really cold water on skipjack. I've caught them on shad. But some days they do prefer shad over skipjack, and other days they don't. But uh, I, I do agree shad is an excellent cold water bait. Yes, that, that's what they're targeting in the winter time because that's what they're uh, that's what they're feeding on. So, you know, that's that's more or less what they're going to be trying to sniff out. Um, you know, the the skipjacks don't die don't die off and start floating to the bottom for them to gorge on the shad are. So, um, you know, that's a perfect time when I a lot of times when I'm precision anchoring, um, I will free line. Uh, large shad with a double hook rig um you know with no weight and I, i'll throw it straight out behind the boat uh that'll be one of my center lines and i'll just let it um you know float around wherever it needs to in the winter in the uh water column and and pretty much um you know i have a very good success rate with that but you really have to watch that rod really good if you don't if you're not holding it in your hand you got to watch it really good because even though you're using circle hooks um you know you you will gut hook them very easily um uh you know a free line and a bait like that because you got so much slack in the line um you know they can engulf that bait without you even knowing it um you know so you know if I I don't really suggest it unless you're going to be really babysitting it, but you know it's a really good uh, way to go out and uh, uh, you know try one rod doing it, uh, especially if the middle rod you're holding in your hand. Um, always try to tug and and keep a feel of that bait and just let it um, you know wash out and uh, you know let the water do with it what it's going to do. And the, them blues are out there feeding in that whole. Um, water column so it don't matter what depth they're at they're gonna nose it out and they're gonna find it and they're gonna eat it if they're feeding okay yeah does uh anybody in chat or anything you have any questions on this the transitional fishing or do you have any uh suggestions for others or um what what do you guys do or what are you what are you looking for out there in, in these times robert talent talman he's got a question um What's your suggestion for a river like Arkansas with no flow as of right now? Uh, what I do in situations like that, I like, um, especially when I'm mapping out, um, I like finding the most narrow parts of the river, uh, preferably in a bend. Um, you know, if if you find a very a very narrow, uh, skinny water part of the river that's in a bend, 
there's usually going to be a nice hole in that bend. Um, even if you don't have a whole lot of flow, when you're in a narrow spot of the river like that, even though it's deep, um, the, the water is going to flow over that hole. So you're usually going to have a lot better current uh, in that narrow spot anyway. And if I'm fishing a river or, you know, a, a, a skinny part of a lake, I always find the, the narrowest part I can find, and I fish the, uh, the, the, the front of those holes. Um, and I'll move from uh, one side of the hole by the bank, and I'll move even in the, uh, the middle outer part of the river and, and try the outer part also. Because um, most of the time on the uh, inside of the bend, it'll usually come up into a small flat, and, uh, you know, I'll fan a few poles out in there also. Um, so give that a try, Robert. It really works good for me. One of the other questions we had a little bit earlier, Jason Malone asked, uh, when you buy the Super Fan package, does it start, is it like good from, you know, if, even if you bought it in December, is it only good for the rest of the month? Is it good until the new year? No, it's good one year from when you buy it. So whatever month you buy it, it's good until that month next year. Um, also, Vince Nadoski just says uh, that what he does is when he's he looks to start uh, to see if they started stacking. So if he starts going over holes or or whatever, and he sees a lot of stacked uh, arches on the on the graph, that's when he starts to that's when he starts to anchor up. Um, also, you you were saying Lyle that you don't have a lot of skipjack in the area. Um, do you not have a um, warm water discharge anywhere along through not, there from a factory or anything? Not in my immediate area, no. So normally, that's where if you know you go to the, the Cumberland, you know you you know that they you know, that discharge there. They got the warm water and everything, and that stacks them in there. So I'd have to think that early in the morning, that late evening, if there's a if there's a warm water discharge somewhere around. I bet that's where they're they're getting the skip drag. I'm sure you're right, but right right in my immediate area and for several miles, probably I'm I'm going to guess it's an hour and a half either direction of me. Uh, I can't think of one anywhere up and down the river till you get to St. Louis or you get to Keokuk that has a a, a warm water discharge. Yeah, but Jay Connor, I believe it's Justin Connor, says uh, anyone know where to catch skip jacks in the winter time other than the hot water discharges? I don't. <laughs> I've, the dams, some of the dams I've heard, um, there are certain times of the year in the winter, I guess, you can come up in there and, and catch them at the dams. I don't know. Uh, I've never really done it, so I'm not the best person to ask, but I believe there are times in the winter that you can do that. There's so many different places, and they're all such a hit and miss. Uh, it, very, very hard to even tell somebody where and and you know when to catch them during the winter time. It's pretty much you know it's a search mission where you just go out and you know about you know eight or ten different places where you've caught them before and you just go try all of them. Um, you know a lot of times where creeks come in and you have a, a water temperature change, uh, where uh, a lot of minnows uh, will want to conjugate. Um, you know, they're going to be in there with a temperature change of that rainwater and also those minnows to feed. So, you know, different places like that, different situations to bring them in also. Uh, Greg Aaron said that he likes fishing in areas that has lots of humps like the washboard bottom. Um, 
that's a that's a good question that myself I've had this myself. You'll be you'll be running down the river and you'll find this stretch of water that has just this up and down and I'm talking, you know, within five feet of each other, just these giant humps. They're all exactly symmetrical, you know, it almost looks as if it's been dredged or something, you know, or, you know, like a, the steamboat comes by and, and, you know, all the water pushed out, you know, makes this real even washboard type area. And I've heard those can be good places to fish in, in those humps. Um, do you, have you guys seen those? Do you know what causes them? Or I do not. Chuck? I don't know what, I don't know how they form. I see them all the time, and I love them. Um, you know, lo I love drifting through them, and I also love anchoring on them, and you know, staggering and fanning uh, baits at different distances. And um, also lately, I've been you know drifting through them, and every time I drop off into one, I'll spot lock in each and every one of them, and having great success at that too. And they, you know, I call them roller coaster bottoms, and I love them. Yeah. Yep, roller coaster. That's what that's what we call them too, is roller coasters. And um, Craig Shoemate said he learned in the Cabela's King Cat tournament in Jefferson City uh, this year that sometimes you have to change. Um, said you fish hard prior to a tournament, catching great fish, forty to sixty pounds. Three days before the tournament, turns cold, and the fish aren't in the same area. So, yeah, I mean that's something we we talk about all the time. You know, the the adaptation in out there. I think is what makes some of the some of the better fishermen uh, great is because they're able to adapt faster than the other guys. Um, they might go out and have the same struggles, but they figure out what's happened. You know, they figure out they they have that instinct that lets them know. Okay, well the fish was here yesterday, and he's not here today. What's changed? Where do I need to go? Where would they go? And that's what. <laughs> You know, being adaptive and things like that. You know, even if it's just testing your theories, you know, that's how you learn uh, being out on the water and testing that theory. And, and you know, you, keeping that data, keeping that logbook, um, doing things like that is the guys that are really trying to uh, advance their game. You know, they're, they're trying to take it to the next level. Um, and normally, you know, those guys are are doing better than other people on on more average uh, on more of an average are doing better so um, if you really want to get better in tournaments and catfishing that's you know being adaptive trying to think about it you know what's going on keeping logs um, all this is is good things to do in my opinion one of the things that I'll touch on on that just a second Chris a lot of times and I've noticed this happening uh, in a lot of tournaments, you go and, and you're pre-fishing for a day or two or three days, maybe a week ahead of a tournament, or uh, you go in there and you'll find these fish, and maybe you'll fish them a little bit and, and, and not work them too hard and go back to make sure they're there and go back to make sure they're there, that they're still there. And come day of tournament, well, they're not there. Uh, most times I have found that they haven't went very far. They may have went shallow. They may have went out into a little bit deeper water, especially if it turned off a cold front move through. A lot of times they'll run out in the deeper water. Uh, 
if the bait fish in that area has moved, they may go up or down behind a wing dike or behind a, uh, a barge or under a barge. And that's one of the great things about side imaging. You shoot underneath that barge and see what's going on under there. But a lot of times people think they've completely left the area. And sometimes maybe they do, but a lot of times they haven't went real far distance uh, overnight or uh, since the next day. They're they're around there pretty close most of the yeah, time. Within, within 50 to 100 yards, just sort of scout around? I would say within uh, 500 yards for sure, and most of the time a whole lot less than that, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, a good, that's a good tip there then, you know. If you found them one day and you go back, they're not there, you know. Don't just give up on the area. Sort of scout around just a little bit, you know. Again, think about, you know, why they aren't there or where they might be at. Scouting around, you might find them again. Um, there's a lot of people that that will also do two different ways on electronics. You know, I've heard of guys that will say, you know, just because I'm not seeing them on my fish finder, I feel like they're down on the bottom and it's not going to pick them up anyway. So I'm going to fish this area that I believe they're at. Um, just because I don't see them there doesn't mean they're not. Uh, and I've heard other guys that say, um, you know, I'm not going to stop and fish unless I see them on my, on my depth finder. If I don't see them there, then I'm not wasting my time. Um, so, you know, that's a that's a personal preference thing to me. I mean, that's something that you have to feel. You know, Lyle Lyle hits it a lot. Uh, he talks about your confidence. You have to have confidence in whatever you're doing, and that confidence is what's going to make you do better. Um, so, you know, f- figuring out your style, you know, getting your confidence in the way you're doing it, um, that that's on every individual. I, I, I've, I've never doubted, you know, uh, and it doesn't matter if, if you're using a hummingbird and, and you have no confidence in that and you think in your heart that you need a low rance, you're not going to be happy. You're not going to trust the thing you do. Uh, personally, it wouldn't be that way for me, but, uh, you know, if, if it was the other way around, it'd be the same difference. If I had a little rants and I had, I had no confidence in it, uh, I wouldn't have it very long. If, if I didn't trust it, and it's not just that. That goes with, with my trolling motor or with the reels I use or anything else. If I don't have any confidence in it, you're not, you're not going to keep trying stuff. If that fish finder says there's fish there, then there probably is. If it doesn't say that there's fish there, uh, maybe they're there, maybe they're not. But you have to believe that what it tell it tells you is is the correct thing. And if you don't believe it, then uh, you might ought to look into something that you do believe in. Well, the 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 whole premise behind that was that you know something that the people that they 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 believe in their equipment. It's just the simple fact that uh, a catfish sitting right on the bottom. There's no technology that's going to pick it up. And they feel that there's something, you know, the weather, the the water clarity, something that's holding them fish right on the bottom. And, you know, they, they have that feeling that there's still fish there. Even though they don't get that perfect arch that you want to see on your graph, they're, they're, they have that feeling. You know, they have, that's what I'm saying. If you're confident in that, in those times, there's a reason why the fish are way down on the bottom, hugging tight to the, to the bottom, you know, and, and you're not seeing them, but you still feel like they're there. Uh, that's that's your confidence thing. That's you need to be able to trust it and go with it. And um, Robert Tomlin also asks, he says, you know, during the the winter months and everything, do you bait down the size of your bait? Um, from everybody I've always talked to, yes, that's 
it's absolutely something that you you do. You want to bait down. To, I mean, I've heard guys talking tiny little one-inch squared chunks of shad or skipjack or whatever it is. Uh, you bait down. As far as he asked if you also hook down, I do not hook down. I will bait down, but I don't hook down. Um, I, I want to feel confident in whatever I feel confident hooking uh, a fish with is what I'm going to use regardless of the size of the bait. What about you guys? I usually don't hook down. I, uh, you know, we may try a rod or two with a smaller hook on it, but the, most of the stuff that I'm personally using uh, will have a 10 aught Eagle Claw 2022 on it. Uh, and I'm not saying that I wouldn't do it. And and we'll put some some smaller stuff on on uh, on uh, some of Cindy's rods, maybe if that's what she wants to try. If she says, "Hey, let's try doing this or that," I'm all over it. Uh, we'll put a we'll put a smaller bait and a smaller hook on it. And I have downsized bait, but I usually don't downsize. Uh, I do usually don't downsize hooks. Uh, and, and I personally. Even for channel cat, I rarely go below an eight aught circle hook. I just rarely do, and uh, I, I see no reason for it uh, other than the fact that if you're catching really small fish, you get one in the eye once in a while or something. But uh, they're, they're just, I, I'm just sold on ten aughts. They, they work good for me, and and uh, you catch. I've caught little bitty old fish on them, and I've caught big fish on them, everything in between. But uh, I, I would agree with downsizing the bait, but I and, and I really don't do that that much. But uh, I don't. I would never downsize my hook. Chuck, about uh, I'll, I'll downsize about half, and I'll still go. I mean, I won't fish, uh, you know, full size skipjacks. Um, you know, I'll fish, you know, eight inch gizzard shad, uh, double hook rigs. Um, you know, but I usually go half and half, and I'm always use multiple scents. I I've usually got you know three different scents out at all times. Um, yeah, but I I do put some out. You know, the size of a golf ball. That's about as small as I go. Um, so the size of a golf ball? Are you saying stink bait? No, uh, you know, oh. a, a skipjack, a skipjack chunk. You know. Um, <laughs> I just kidding you. <laughs> You know, I don't. You know, you see, you you know, you see guys that you're saying, you know, they they you know use the piece of skipjack the size of thumbnail, um, you know, stuff like that. Uh, you know, I I'll cut a steak, um, you know, about one inch by one inch. Um, that's about as small as I go. What do you what do you think about sides uh, in the winter time? Sides. Yeah, siding off one and then chunking up what's left. I, I'm in the winter time. I really like the sides uh, because if you take the scales off of the outer part of it and you cut it off, that that would be maximum scent. And uh, in the winter time, a lot of times the current is slow, the water's cold, and the fish are a little bit more sluggish. And uh, to me, that's uh, that's one of the things that I do. I like using strips off the sides of them in the winter uh, versus chunks. And I, they'll, they'll take chunks, and and I do use chunks, but I'm a big side person in cold weather. Yeah, I do. It you know it gives more movement in the water also. Um, yes. So yeah, I you know I do both. I'm, I'm using strips, fillets, heads, chunks. Um, you know, full shads, double hooks. You know, I try a little bit of everything. Um, you know, whatever seems to start working, I, I'll kind of, 
I'll kind of go over and use more of that bait, but I never switch all the way over to the same bait all the way around because the way I think about it is um, that that may not be the scent that got them to the boat, but after they got to the boat, they may have decided to, to eat that one scent, but it may not have been that been that scent that got them to the boat. So, you know, that's why I'm always, I believe in multi-scents being out at all times. One of the things that I've done, and th and this is actually, I, I don't believe I've told too many people this, so here's a here's one of my secrets that I've done before, and, I, and it's actually caught me a lot of fish. And, I've and you know, Daniel Daniel Lux, who I fished with this year, he, he started joking with me about it, I think, early the, early of the year. Um, it's something I call a sushi roll. And what I do is I take the, si the side of a shad and I roll it up, but I, I put the meat side uh, out so that the skin is on the inside. And I roll it up into almost like a fruit roll-up, and I'll hook it through the top of it and then throw it out just like that. So all that the fish feels is that soft, meaty flesh uh, when they bite a hold of it. And I've caught a lot of fish you know, doing it that way too. I think, I think Lyle took off on us. <laughs> but yeah I mean I, I call it a sushi roll um, there's times a year when I, I like to do that uh, it does it, I, I mean I was sitting there we were both fishing side to side uh, he, he's got a bunch of different baits on I had uh, I started off with one sushi roll I, I caught a fish on it you know I ended up catching another fish ended up changing all my lines over and started catching uh, multiple more fish than he was and you know, he he eventually you know switched over to it and started catching one as well. And we could have been using shad sides or um, lots of different baits that are the same thing, but just not presented exactly the same. So, also remember that you could be using a piece of bait and just present it in a different way, and it might be something that works a little better. So, I mean, like I said, all I did was wrap it up into like a fruit roll up with the the flesh side out, hooked it on top. And I was catching more that way than I was just a straight side uh, flopping off, you know, flopping around um, more than all the other baits that we had. For whatever reason, my sushi roll was, you know, on certain days. Just, just always keep your mind open. Think about trying something, you know, present the bait a, a little bit differently. Um, things like that, you know, you never know what, what it could be that's in their head. I'd like to try that sometime. I know I've heard you talk about that before, and I think that's probably a good idea. I'm not going to mention his name, but a, a really good fisherman uh, has told me on numerous occasions that a lot of times that he feels that bait presentation is as important or more important than any other aspect of catfishing. <coughs> and if he's got a rig set up and he's not catching catfish on them, he'll change to a different rig and he'll change the way he presents the baits until he starts catching them. And and he's extremely successful doing this. And, and I believe that that is uh, uh, an excellent idea, things for people to keep in mind. But uh, you know, I, I for some reason I keep forgetting about your little roll thing, and I want to try that. I just keep, I can't never remember to do it. <laughs> Yeah, the the uh, fishing buddy four on here says he prefers a big chunk of skipjack, the gut pocket, preferably. Um, for wintertime, I'm not a huge. I mean, a, a gut pocket for a smaller shed or something like that, possibly. I wouldn't go throwing a big, huge um, 
skipjack or shad gut pocket out uh, as the water gets warmer and it's going to carry that blood and scent off better. That's when I would look at a bigger chunk like that. By the way, that's Robert. Uh, glad to see you on here, Robert. I'm, we've been missing you for being online for a while, so it's good to see you on here. That's Robert Curry's a uh, very good Missouri River fisherman, fishes a lot like the Ozarks and stuff. Welcome. Welcome, Robert. I also seen that uh, Steve Farmer was on here. Yes. Is that the guy from Kentucky there? Uh, Steve Farmer lives right here next to me. I took him oh, to Gunnersville. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember who you talking about. I, I knew the name looked familiar. All right, well, um, I think we've covered pretty good on, on the transitional fishing tonight. Um, if you guys are ready, we'll go ahead and start doing the closing for the show. We're running about an hour and ten minutes right now. so They're still having – I've got my one eye on the TV and the other with everything going on. I'm sorry I've been, been on the stick tonight too much. Jason Acock says a good idea by me. He never thought of it. I, no problem. Like I said, I don't tell everybody. I might have mentioned it on the show um, once. Well, before, nobody's gonna hear it on here. No, nobody. This only <laughs> a couple people watch this. All of our uh, family and very, very close friends. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, this tournament fishing ha has totally um, changed my whole way of fishing, even through the winter. Um, you know, usually I would go target, you know, one lake and just beat it up try to locate the big ones, keep chasing them down. Now all I want to do is find different water and go challenge myself. Uh, yep. if, if I could go to a different body of water every weekend, I would. Uh, I don't know you know, why I've changed, but, yeah, I'm sure I'm going to go hit Gunnersville a couple of times, but, but you know, this winter I'm also going to hit every, every different body of water that I can hit. All right, well, go ahead and start your closing uh, there, Chuck. So we can get this show closed out and get ready for next week. I, I really don't have too much. Um, it's just, you know, it's my favorite time of the year, and I just can't wait to get out and, um, you know, get on some of these big winter blues. And uh, there's a few different people I, um, I've been wanting to go out fishing with. Hopefully I'll get a chance to go out fishing with them. And um, got another big tournament coming up uh January 3rd, we're, you know, we're going to have a lot of good friends getting together and fishing, which is that's always going to be a good time. So hopefully it'll be a yearly thing. We'll have Monster of the Ohio yearly thing. And, um, you know, everybody, you know, once two or three times a year and um, get to hang out. That's about all I got. All right. Well, uh, you know, we're looking forward to trying to make it down there to Alabama. I've never fished Wheeler, and I'm kind of excited about getting down there. Everything works out, and it looks like it may. Uh, uh, everybody uh, be careful out on the water when you're out there. Something to remember is that water is extremely cold, and I, and I, it doesn't matter what part of the country you're in right now, that water temperature has dropped, and if you happen to be in it, uh, you get hypothermia really quick quick so be careful while you're out fishing and hope you all catch a bunch of fish I uh, would like to say happy birthday to my wife Cindy today's her birthday we went out and had dinner before the show today and and uh, this it's great to be with her all these years and uh, she's so good to me so uh, 
that's about all I got. It's Cindy's birthday, so tell her happy birthday from from me. One other thing, if you guys are up to speed or watching this uh, deal down at Ferguson, uh, please bear in mind that we have a lot of good fishing friends and buddies and uh, stuff in that area that live down there in that area. So uh, uh, keep them in your thoughts and prayers because this is going to break loose at any time. All right. Yeah, definitely. Um, all of us at Catfish Weekly, we want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, be safe out there. Enjoy uh, the time with your family, and and really appreciate what you have. And and um, you know the fact that you're able to go catfishing. All this kind of stuff is all things to be thankful for. Um, so from all of us, thank you uh, for watching the show. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Hopefully, we'll uh, see some of you. Uh, at the uh, Wheeler tournament, we'll be there. I know I'm not, you know, we'll be here next week and all that, but I'm just going ahead and saying it now too. Um, but um, I believe that, uh, like I said, next week we'll have the giveaway. So everybody, if you can, I, I put an event up to uh, say if you're going to be there or not to let you know, keep keep you as a reminder that we're doing the giveaway. I will also be making. Uh, some announcements, I think, and, and things like that on that. So it's going to be a really good show. You're going to want to be there. Um, definitely, uh, if you can go out, go fishing, do so, enjoy yourself, um, have fun, post some pictures on the Catfish Weekly Facebook page. Um, yeah, everybody tell everybody tell Cindy happy birthday. Hopefully she had a great birthday. And if you're like Lyle said, if you're around the Ferguson area, anywhere running through that area. Uh, be safe. Um, Going to be some some stuff coming that people know about. So definitely uh, keep your eyes and ears open and keep keep prepared. Um, besides that, everybody, again, have a good one. Happy Thanksgiving. If you're fishing, stay out of my spot.